You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to our podcast today. Thanks for joining our conversation. So we've had a lot of topics. If you've been listening to our podcast, which thank you so much for those of you who are listening. It is so incredible to get feedback from those of you who have heard the things that we're talking about and have learned from it and it has blessed you. And that just makes us feel just so incredibly happy. Alana and I both have such incredible passion to help women who are going through this. And so thank you for your feedback. We would appreciate you liking the podcast, sharing it with people, downloading episodes. I don't even know how all that works. Like you download it, you like, you, you review, whatever, (laughs) do all the things (laughs) so that other people can see this and hear it and get the resources that we're offering. Having said that, we have talked a lot about some heavy things. We just got off a, came from a conversation about consent And I got to thinking about how much work this is, how hard it is to get, gather so much information. We want to know it all. We want to know all the things to help us really relieve this pain and suffering that we're feeling. And I don't know about you, Alana, but I remember whatever, I didn't have a whole lot of resources when I was going through it. It actually wasn't until after my divorce and I was given one book by my bishop and that ignited something in me. And I kind of went crazy and I, I just couldn't get my hands on enough of material and stuff like that. Now I have to know what was the book? It was the book sitting in a rowboat, throwing marbles in a battleship. Mm -hmm. And it just changed my life made it made, it gave me words to what I was experiencing. And I had no words at that time, Mm. but I couldn't get enough. Did you find yourself doing that too? Just, yeah, whatever you could do to learn. Yeah. In the beginning, I was in such survival mode of just making it through one day at a time. But once I got a little bit out of that fight, flight and freeze, and I say like a little bit, I was still pretty thick in it. Yeah. I wanted to know and understand like, how could he do this? Why would he do this? Was it me? Was it him? I I just, I wanted to have some kind of understanding to make some sense of what was happening in my world because at the time nothing made sense. So yes, every book, every article, every blog post, podcast, I didn't even know about him at the time, but yes, whatever I could get my hands on, I was just soaking it in nonstop. Yeah. And it can be exhausting. And so I got to thinking about this and it came to me in a, in a interesting way. So bear with me while I explain this, but I, I want to preface here. I'm using the word today and what we're talking about today is active recovery. Now this can be confusing because a lot of times if we use this to um, talk about the addict and identify if he is working his recovery process, if he's doing the work, doing the actions, and we use that term to identify that I'm using this term in a different way today. So 
don't get confused. I'm going to explain to you where this word came from, but I, so I go and do some pretty active workouts. I work out pretty regularly and in the workout world, when you lift heavy weight and you're tearing those little, you're having little micro tears in your muscle fibers, the body then repairs and adapts the muscle to, to better handle more activity that originally caused the damage. And so when these little micro tears happen, there, there comes that soreness. And most of you have probably experienced this. I'm actually experiencing it right now. My legs are so sore. I, I actually have to get up and go to the bathroom, but I'm too sick up. <laughs> I've been sitting here for a while. I'm like, I don't want to get up. Anyways, TMI. Okay. But I was doing this workout and my fitness trainer during the workout offers active recovery moves. And so after I just performed this like really high intensity exercise that pushed my body to the max, I, I love and look forward to these active recoveries because it helps me stretch out a little bit. It helps me get ready for the next intense exercise. And I even use that time to get my mind back in the game because usually after hundred high knees, I'm ready to kill my instructor. And so I need time to even shift my thoughts as well. <laughs> but I got to thinking how this is so relatable to women who are in the middle of their recovery from betrayal trauma and even post-divorce. And I remember when I, like I said earlier, when I first found out this book and started just like diving into all this information, listening to conference talks and devotionals and classes and blogs and books and anything I could get my hands on. But what I see happening as in my own life, but as I work with women, and I know you see this too, Lana, but we're trying so hard to make sense of it all and figure it all out to help our husbands to heal ourselves. We become exhausted just like our muscles. When they do that heavy exercise, heavy weight, we create those little micro tears. I think women with all the heavy learning and knowledge consumption and work on their relationship, we get emotional micro tears. They go from, I got this, we can do this to, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And so what I just like to offer today and discuss briefly is for those of you who are in the middle of this, to consider if you're needing an active recovery phase in your healing journey. So my trainer is continually offering me more weight or pushing me to lift more reps. And I do it because I think that it's going to help me. I'm going to get stronger and feel better and do some of the unwanted. When I do that, some of those unwanted problem areas might go away. And so I think same with the emotional recovery work, we drive hard into books and spend countless hours listening to podcasts and talks and, and trying to learn it all so that we can feel better and stronger and that those unwanted problems might, might go away. Again, I remember what is happening when that heavy weight is lifted again, it's creating those micro tears. And so we've got to have time emotionally to, to recover, but recovering active recovery is still moving forward. And I think that was my favorite part about this whole concept is that it's not stopping. It's not stopping standing still and being stagnant because to me, that is not using our agency. We're not moving forward. 
So my favorite part about this is we're moving forward still. So to me in the workout world, active recovery is maybe yoga on my off heavy days or just in the middle of a hit routine. It's okay. We're just going to stop and stretch. We're going to take cake, take a couple deep breaths, whatever, but it's, I'm still moving. I'm still working, but it's not as intense and it's giving my body, my muscles a time to recover so that the next time heavy happens, it can handle it. And I just think that is a beautiful way to look at your recovery. If you go heavy nonstop, you're going to break. There's actually a term. It just, I just thought about this. I am not going to remember on the spot because my brain will not work that way, but there is actually a terminology used when you work in the weightlifting world, when you lift so heavy, so much, so long, your muscles actually lose oxygen or something like this. And I've had this happen to me before. It's the craziest feeling. And literally my couldn't move my arms. My arms were out to the side and literally like my husband would try and push them down. They would not go down. They literally were just like <laughs> to the side of me. And it's an abuse of the muscle. Like I abused my muscles because I did not allow them to recover. And so we can do this similarly in our, in our emotionally we can emotionally abuse ourselves a little bit when we're doing so much heavy and we don't allow some time to just recover. Okay. We have to talk about the, why we do this, why we push ourselves and we go so heavy. Cause you're talking and I'm like, yeah. oh crap. She's talking to me because <laughs> I will do that. I work out really consistently. That's something I'm, that's important to me. Cause it makes me feel good. My brain likes the dopamine. It's healthy for me, but when I'm doing like a certain type of program and it has my recovery days where I'm supposed to do things lighter, I have to fight myself to not skip over them and just go to the next one. I want to be like, no, let's power through. Let's keep going. And emotionally, I find myself with that same thing. of I just want to power through. I need to keep going. And I have a hard time slowing down. And so I think it's really important that we look at maybe some of the reasons why when it comes to recovery work, why it's so hard maybe to allow ourselves to take those breaks or to slow down or to let what we're doing be enough. Yeah. So many times I'll hear a woman say, I just need to take a nap today, but I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this. Guess what? Taking a nap may be exactly what you need for this type of active recovery. But we have this voice in our head saying, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. Right. So why do you think that voice shows up and pushes us so hard? I love that you're, that we're bringing this up because for me and what I notice also is we want to fix it. We just want to fix this problem, like this, fix this problem area. So that's why I lifted and lifted and lifted and pushed myself to the point where I couldn't put my arms down because we want so badly for this problem to go away. And so part of this active recovery that we're talking about in terms of our healing from betrayal is I think a huge part of this is allowing yourself to actually feel all of the negative emotions 
because really we're trying to avoid that negative emotion. We don't like what this trial, this circumstance is bringing to us in our life and we don't want to feel it anymore. And so to be honest, a lot of this is going to still be uncomfortable, which is why I say you're still moving forward because now is maybe the time that you allow yourself to feel all of those emotions, those negative emotions, which by the way, negative does not mean bad, but negative emotions that come with this experience. Wait, so are you saying then to some degree that sometimes when we're doing all of this really hard work, which is still good and important of learning and reading and going to group and learning and reading some more and listening to podcasts, that maybe there's also a part of us that is using that busyness to distract us from really feeling what's the happening. negative emotion. Bingo. That's oh, me. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's yeah, me. for sure. And and it's just another way that we resist and avoid the feeling part. It's uncomfortable. No one wants to feel these feelings. Oh my gosh, it's hell. But that is how we. Oh my gosh, I could do a whole other conversation about just this alone, but it is such an incredibly important part of our recovery, our moving forward, our healing. And the part I love most about this is that this is how we access the atonement by allowing ourselves to feel the negative emotion. And if you've heard us talk before feeling right is feeling it in your body. What does that emotion feel like inside your body? Where is it in your body? What texture does it have? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it fast? Is it slow? What color is it? Right. That's feeling it. That right there is what Christ did perfectly. He felt all of the emotions that the human brain and body offer us in this human experience that we have. He didn't resist. He didn't avoid. He didn't react. He didn't blame. He didn't shame. He felt it. He did it perfectly, which is why we worship him, but we just get the opportunity to practice. So we have to feel it. And you just said there something that kind of struck me. You said feeling the good and the bad feelings. But I remember a point in my own journey that I had a day where I felt just joy. I felt happiness. And I felt, I remember watching my kids and being like, oh, I love them. This is great. And then instantly right behind that thought was <laughs> no, no. Do you know what's going on in your life? Do you remember what you're going through? You cannot feel happy. And I squashed it down. And, and I noticed that there was, it took me a while to get to this place of going, no, it's okay that I feel happy. And I feel really sad at the same time. Yeah. And so I really had to learn to embrace this and because in my brain, feelings were ors. Yes. I felt this or this. I felt this or this. I cannot feel happy and sad at the same time. I feel happy or sad. And as I learned to embrace that and, holy cow, how many ands there are. Like I felt yeah. happy and sad and confused and longing for my husband and disdain for him. And I could keep going on. There was hundreds of emotions that all were coming up sometimes at the exact same time. And it was a lot to sort through. 
But as I made space for each of those feelings, it really helped my brain and body start to settle down. Mm -hmm. I love that you just said that because yes, we've, we can hold both. Life is 50, 50. Every single decision we make, every single thing that we do, every goal, every circumstance comes with the 50, 50. And yeah, I am a recovering black and white thinker. Like I did the same thing. It was either or good or bad, right or wrong. And so it is a beautiful awakening to get to that place where you're like, oh, I can actually have fear and faith because I always made it either or. But for me, I was terrified. I had so much fear driving away with nothing but a box in my car to a different state, leaving with my kids, leaving my husband. I had so much fear, but I also had enough faith. That was what I needed to do at the time that God was definitely with me at that time. And so I had both. We talked, I think we've talked about this before too. I think you brought this up, how sometimes anger, like allowing anger to even serve us because it helps us to actually move forward. Sometimes allowing ourselves to feel that anger actually gets us to move forward in our life. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And anyways, just holding both beautiful. Mm -hmm. So the, the next thought that logically then comes to me is, okay, so we're in this place where we're practicing, allowing room for this active recovery. We're trying to have more balance in our recovery, but what does that actually look like? Like I know, and I love in the book, what can I do about me by real Croshaw? She, in the back of her book gives these beautiful lists. And as far as I've seen, like the most um, complete list of here's what active recovery for him looks like. Here's what active recovery for her looks like. And they list all of these things, but in this way that we're talking about this active recovery and having more of a balance, what does that look like? Like, how do we have that really self-compassion? Yeah. Something that just came to my mind when you were talking is I've, I had this thought, if we don't do this, then we tend to, to get very resentful. I think when we work so hard, we're like, I look at what I'm doing. I'm going to group, I'm doing therapy, I'm doing this, we're doing this, I'm doing all this work. And I think if we don't take time to stop, now we're doing the work maybe for the wrong reasons and it actually can create feelings of resentment. That thought just came to my mind, but you're right. So How does problems, that look? Problems on top of problems is what right. it creates. Yes, yes. You're just adding pain to to on top of pain. But yes, to answer your question, oh my goodness, I think there's so many things to do. I would start, honestly, I would start making a list of things that you're currently doing and just notice how much time maybe it's really sucking out of your day. And with no judgment, just notice how much mental space, how much time do you spend mentally thinking about your husband's addiction or problem or your pain? How much time are you giving that? mentally, emotionally, maybe just start there and just notice. And then maybe you need to just get away for the night. Maybe you just need to book yourself a hotel room close by and just get away. No books, no podcasts, no nothing. 
just get away. Maybe you need to journal and start recognizing your thoughts because we're spending so much time reading other people's thoughts, listening to other people's thoughts and trying to figure out what other people think and what we should do. Maybe you need to start getting in touch with your thoughts. What do you think right now? I love that you said that because the podcasts, they're not going anywhere. They're all saved. When Mm -hmm. you're in a time that you have extra energy again, come back and listen to us. The books are going to be there. And so these things aren't going anywhere, but sometimes there's this pressure of, we have to do it now. We have to hurry, but the time is going to pass anyway. And there's no destination you're trying to get to. I always had in my mind of, I just want to get to the other side of this. Well, the reality is my life is forever changed based off of these experiences I've had, but now I'm creating this new life that looks different for me. It feels different for me, but there's no destination. There's no, I've arrived. And so when I got rid of the destination, it allowed me then to just go, okay, so what do I want today? What do I want today to look like? How do I want to keep moving forward? Yeah. I was kind of mad when I realized that there's no arrival. (laughs) What what am I doing this for then? (laughs) No arrival in this life. What are you talking about? That made me mad. Anyways, you're right though. And when we can get to that place where we realize that and accept it, it changes the ball game. But let me just add a couple more thoughts. If you do make this list of things that you're reading and listening to or doing, let's get curious about that. Ask yourself, why are you doing these things? Are they for you? Are they for your spouse? Are you reading a book to try and make your spouse get better? Maybe control? Are they keeping you stuck? Do they help you move forward? Are they keeping you in fear? Do these things that you're putting into your mind emotionally and mentally, do they have value right now? And I just want you to know that you and you alone will know what active recovery looks like for you. I know that women are incredibly intuitive. And I know that a lot of you may feel like you have lost that, but you haven't. So I would encourage you to listen to yourself, pay attention to how the emotions are showing up in your body and allow yourself to rest. It is not stopping. It is not freezing. It's just doing something that keeps you moving forward, but allowing those emotional micro tears to heal so that you can carry the heavy because you are carrying heavy. I wish you could see Amy right now because feeling is coming up a lot of feeling right now. And I'm curious, Amy, (laughs) what's the feeling coming up? Oh my gosh, that just hit me. That women are amazing. Yeah. And this is so hard and so difficult. And they're caring so much. They're worrying about so much. Taking on so much more than probably they need to. Because we're just trying to save everybody. (laughs) And so there's a lot of emotional and mental micro tears. Mm. 
but there's a lot more heavy that you might be needing to carry. And my gosh, I know women are capable, but just like I was telling you how I overworked my body and it literally prevented me from doing like basic normal things. Like I could not hold my fork and feed myself because my arms could not come. Oh, so embarrassing. But literally that is what will happen. You won't be able to do basic life things anymore. If you break, this is necessary. We know you can do it, but it's not necessary to do it. Let yourself heal. You're still moving forward. Thank you for being vulnerable, Amy. And thank you for sharing just this message of compassion, kindness, balance, and really peace. I hope today as you've listened that you walk away with the understanding that you yourself are enough. You're doing enough. You are enough. And the simple fact that you're hearing this right now shows that you're committed to your healing. It shows that you want to move forward and progress. And you don't have to run faster than you have strength. So take some time before you race back to your life to just spend some time with yourself. Make that list Amy's talking about and figure out for you what self-compassion, what recovery looks like and what your next right step is. Nobody can determine that but you. Even when I meet with a client and they come to me and they say, Alana, help me understand my next right step. Most of the time, I'm just holding back a mirror to them of what they're already saying. And most of the time they know. And so it's just hearing it where I repeat what they're saying and say, it sounds like you're saying this, is that right? And as they do that, they go, oh, yeah, I do know. I'm not giving them answers. It's them making those choices. You do know what you need, but sometimes we have to slow down enough to tap into that. So take a little time today, spend a little time with yourself. And until you hear from us next week, be super compassionate. Thank you again for joining us today. If you are needing help in your healing journey so that you can keep moving forward, go to chooserecoveryservices.com and start exploring what your next right step is to move forward and to create the life that you want because you are capable of choosing recovery, choosing healing, and choosing you. Take care, everybody.